It's good. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to be here on Easter this morning. And, you know, today we gather, and this is like this celebration, right, like of the, the pinnacle of the Christian faith. This is like what it is all about. And, and of course, as Christians, we don't just celebrate Easter. We, we kind of start this, this commemoration, this celebration on Friday. We call that Good Friday, which is a little odd, isn't it? That like, I mean, we call a Friday good that Jesus died, right? Like that, it seems like we get our Fridays mixed up. When I was a kid, I always felt like Good Friday should be the Friday when you buy stuff for presents for me, right? Like that was, seemed like that should be good the Friday, and the dark Friday should be the day that Jesus died. But the reason that we call it good is because as followers of Jesus, we know something, right? We know Friday may has arrived, but Sunday's a coming, right? We know Friday is not the end, so when we see it, we look at it with hope. That's what Easter Sunday's all about, is hope for our story. Because something happened 2,000 years ago, and, and in that incredible moment, right, what everyone thought was the end turned out not to be the end. And today, we're going to look at a story of an eyewitness of this, all of these events, his name was Mark, and what he witnessed there, and what he thought, and what the followers of Jesus thought of, that was the end, that turned out not to be the end. And you've got to remember, for them, you know, they, they had followed Jesus. They had been part of, like, following God himself on the planet with the greatest purpose they'd ever discovered. And when Jesus died, they felt like that purpose died with him. They had... They had built a relationship, an incredible relationship with God. I mean, most of us are like, man, I, I kind of envy what it was like to be with Jesus in the physical presence. And they had built this relationship with him. When he died, they felt pretty alone. And they had all these dreams of what was going to be and what the kingdom was going to be like. When they laid his body in the tomb, they laid those dreams in the tomb with Jesus. Can you relate to that this morning? You know that time in your life, and maybe it's even now, where life isn't going or didn't go the way you wanted it to go. You would hope for something else, but it didn't turn out that way. You would look for meaning, and it was hard to find. And maybe even this morning you show up and you're like, I... I want to hope. I come to Easter, I want to hope. That's why I'm here this morning. But you're wondering, like, could I, can I really have a new beginning? Is, is that really possible in this season of my life? And so this is the message of Easter. This is what we're talking about this morning. So this morning we're going to spend our time in Mark 16. And if, if you've got your Bible, your Bible app, you can turn it open to there. You can look in the scoop and follow along this morning in the outline as well. But we're just going to spend some time in Mark really understanding this story and what happened here. So, here's how Mark records his story, his eyewitness events of the resurrection and what was happening that day. He says, he says Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, who of course is the woman that Jesus kind of rescued from this life that she didn't want to be part of, and she was so grateful to Jesus for that. And then Mary, the mother of James, one of the disciples, so the, one of the mothers of the disciples who knew Jesus pretty well, 
And Salome, whose parents owned a deli and just loved that cut of meat. I'm glad some of you are paying attention. They, so these three women, okay, these three women go out, and they, they went out to purchase burial spices for Jesus' body. I mean, they are devoted followers of Jesus. And so they go out on Saturday evening for the next day, and they purchase burial spices. And you know why they purchase burial spices, right? Because it's the way you honor someone who has died, because dead bodies don't smell so good, right? So, so you, you bury them, you put these spices on them. And, and the point here is they go out with an expectation that in the morning when they leave the house, that they are about to find a body. Jesus' body. They have all that expectation. That is where they're headed. And so very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other. So they're on the way to the tomb, and on the way, they're asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone? Because there had been this huge, heavy stone that had been rolled in front of Jesus' tomb and actually sealed because nobody wanted anybody to go steal the body of Jesus. So they'd sealed the tomb. There's this heavy stone. And they're on their way, and they're like, how are we even going to get in? But as they arrived, they looked up, and they saw that stone, which was very large, and it had been rolled aside. So on the way to the tomb, there are no conversations of Jesus' resurrection. As they walk to the tomb in silence, there's, there's no place where they even imagine a scenario where Jesus is alive, because in all of human history, Death has always been the end. I mean, and their hopes had died with Jesus, right? They, they saw Jesus beaten. They saw him humiliated. They saw him mocked. They saw Jesus willingly give up his life. He didn't even fight it. He just endured the cross. They saw a Roman soldier take a spear and shove it through his side, and they saw the blood and the water gush out of Jesus. He wasn't just dead, he was dead. They, they, they lowered his body from the cross and they held his bloodied, limp, lifeless body. And they knew he was dead. And there are no conversations of him being alive. And in this moment, on their way to the tomb, on their way to the body of Jesus, the disappointment that they have had the disappointment in where life has brought them and how their story has begun to turn out made them feel a lot like this certainly was the end. That's where they were. They were like, this, just, this disappointment feels like it's the end. What, can, what could possibly happen from here? But of course, this day, this day something is different. Something's a little different. When they entered the tomb, Right, the stones rolled away. When they enter and they walk into the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe on the right side. But not just any good-looking young man in a white robe, right? It was an angel. And so they're shocked. They're like, like you, right? Like, I've said this before. Jesus does stuff that freaks you out, right? Like, like if you really start to move towards God, I'm just going to warn you right now. You're going to come in contact with supernatural, and it's going to freak you out. And that's where these ladies are. Like, they're like, an angel's there, and this is what, and he can tell that they're freaked out. So he says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but, who is crucified, but he isn't here. 
He is risen from the dead. Look, look, you saw his body. It was right here. Look where his body was. He said, now, go and tell his disciples. Go tell those guys who didn't show up here. Go tell those guys who are still hiding. Go tell them. Oh, and tell Peter, too, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You're going to go see him there. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Can you imagine this? I mean, can you imagine this moment? Can you imagine a moment where your friend, the relationship you had, like the most important person in the world to you, that you show up to the funeral, and just as you're walking in, you get freaked out by an angel who appears to you and says, he ain't here. He's alive. you got to go there to meet him. Like, wouldn't that freak you out? That's crazy. And so these women, the angel gets done. You know, you probably have this picture of like, woo, yeah, right? These women, it says in verse 8, fled the tomb. They didn't stand there. They didn't like walk slowly out of the tomb and reflect on what all this means. They fled. They were freaked out. They were like scared. They were frightened. They said nothing. They were speechless. They were trembling. They were bewildered because what had happened doesn't happen. It's like impossible. It's not, not even something that you can even think of. You can't even conceive it. They couldn't even imagine it. And on this note, with them fleeing the tomb, totally freaked out, bewildered and speechless, on this note, the Gospel of Mark, the original manuscript, ends. Like, pretty anticlimactic, right? Like, this is not what we're looking for. This is not how we expect the story to end. This is, it's like, this can't be the ending. I mean, have you ever seen a movie or read a book that you're like, that can't be the ending. Yeah, you have had one of those? Like, Avengers Endgame is coming out this week. Anybody Avenger fans, Marvel fans in the house? Okay, good. So, for those of you who are not Marvel fans and have not really lived life, okay, there's only 19 movies for you to see between now and Thursday, so you can catch up and really understand what's going on. But the last Marvel movie I went to see, Infinity War, I was sitting with some less enthusiastic Marvel fans, okay? They're not Marvel nerds like I am. So, I... I I'm sitting down, and I've read the comics. Like, I know, like, the storyline. So I'm sitting in the movie, and it's coming to the end. And, and they're, like, it gets to the end, and, like, the heroes die, right? Like, the evil triumphs, and they're, like, they're looking at me like, this can't be the end of the movie, right? Like, this, it can't end this way. This is completely unsatisfactory. I have wasted $12 that I will never get back. That's a bit how Mark's ending and I, and I was sitting there in the movie, and I'm like, no, I'm spending the next 12 bucks because I know what the next movie is going to be. This is a super good ending, right? Like, wow. But Mark's ending kind of leaves us like that. I mean, Matthew, the ending of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew telling the story, right? He ends with Jesus is like, we saw him. We talked with him. He gave us this post-resurrection rally speech, and we are ready to go after it. And, and Luke, right? Luke has this beautiful ending of Jesus ascending to heaven and promising his return. Luke even writes a whole sequel in Acts of all the things that happen after that. I mean, Luke's got it down. And John, I mean, John's ending on the beach, 
right? Jesus' gentle return on the beach, his loving words over his closest followers. How cool is that? But Mark, dude, where's Jesus? He's not even in your ending. I mean, this whole thing was about Jesus. And you forgot to put him in the ending of your story. It's almost like it kind of ends with, like, faith is in something yet to be unseen. You know, you can't see it yet, but it's coming. Faith in, like, this, this possibility of what Jesus is about to do, this, this still-yet-to-be-written part of the story. And I think that maybe Mark ends his gospel here, that maybe this is the ending of Mark because it's meant to help us grapple with our willingness to say, God, what could you do in my story? What's yet to be written in my story and in your story? Now, you, if you have your Bible, of course, you'll notice that there's some notes about some additional verses that are added to the end of the gospel, and they're not in the original manuscripts. It's almost like the Greek guys who are copying copy it from Greek and translating it, they were, they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is totally unsatisfactory, right? The other guys, they told the rest of the story. Mark, you, you, you didn't tell the rest of the story. It can't end this way. But in the original manuscript, as far as we can tell, it just ends. Much note of uncertainty. Right there. And we don't like uncertainty. We don't like it in our book endings. We don't like it in our movie endings. And we definitely don't like it in our life when there is uncertainty. When something in our life, like a failure or frustration or something, we just, a fear that there's something that's coming and we don't know how it's going to end, we don't like that in our life. We don't like when our story is, is being unveiled and unfolding in a way, in a direction that we're like, no, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. This is not where I thought I was going to be. And when these three women, when they show up at the tomb with all of their spices, you know, they're carrying all those spices to the tomb, and it's powerful because it's like they have the strength in their actions in the middle of uncertainty. You know, these women, and we might, let's just, just go ahead and call them the Spice Girls, right? Like the original Spice Girls. Like they, the Spice Girls, they're just... They're moving into that. Like they're, they're showing up at the place where their dream died. They're going back to face their loss. They're going back into grief. And in this uncertainty, they're just taking a step in this direction right in the darkness. Now, now we know who's missing from Mark's story, right? We know Jesus is missing from Mark's story. But who else is missing? Peter. Like, where's Peter? Where's Mr. I'll die for you, Jesus? Where's Mr. I'm swinging my sword, cutting off ears and protecting Jesus? Where's he at? He's like nowhere. He's talking about how loudly, just all over the place, shouting how he'll risk his life. And now, in this moment of uncertainty, Peter is not present. In the earliest moments of the tomb, like he's not showing up. It's like in the third quarter of the game, you you've ever been to like a sporting event, you know like in the third quarter of the game when your team is losing, right, the stadium just starts to clear. It's like, us, no hope now. You know, we're down by 30 points. Not watching the end of that game. This is Peter. He's like, we're down. I'm so disappointed. I'm so frustrated. I can't even show up 
I don't even know how to show up because sometimes when life fails to meet our expectations, we're like Peter. When we are disappointed with where things are going in our life, instead of running towards God, we tend to hide. We tend to get stuck. We tend to just run away from God instead of towards him. And, and, and I think you'll, you'll agree with this. The greater your expectation of what could be, the deeper your disappointment in times of uncertainty. When life gets uncertain, you're like, no, I thought it was going to be this, and now it's this, and you feel uncertain about it. Isn't that true? Like you get a deep disappointment. The more deeply we believe about how something should or would or could be, the more disappointed we are when it's not the way we want. And I'll bet that's true of some of you this morning. You showed up this morning, and you're here. But you've lowered your expectation of God in some places in your life. You've lowered your expectation of life like a defense mechanism. Like, I just, I can't deal with that level of disappointment anymore, so I'm just going to lower the bar on what God can or will do in my life. Maybe you're just a little bit like Peter. What was true for him? What was true for the other disciples that morning? You know, they're just kind of missing from Mark's story. They're, they're hiding in their disappointment. Uncertainty kind of drove them to expect less from God. And that's what our uncertainty does too, doesn't it? I mean, that decision you made in your past that you keep getting reminded of, you keep thinking about it, maybe even you're still living out some consequences from it. You just can't seem to get past it. Or that, that family problem that you're like, oh, I'm so tired of this same thing coming up again. I just can't solve it. Or that, that level of darkness, like anxiety, depression that's just over you that you're like, oh. Maybe the way that you feel broken because of a relationship or because of something else in your life. And you're like, I can't seem to fix it. I can't just make this go away. And you've allowed those disappointments to do what happened to Peter. They've robbed you of faith. They've robbed you of your ability to believe. I mean, Peter, just a week earlier, was like, Jesus, I'm going to do anything for you. I'll risk my life for you. But in his disappointment, in this moment, disappointment robs him of his faith. He can't show up at the tomb. And those women that came with those spices... They felt that weight of uncertainty too. They, they, they're on the way and they're like, I can't, we can't even move the stone. How are we even going to get in? But the Spice Girls, this is what's really cool about their story, right? The Spice Girls, they don't stop, right? They don't argue. They don't debate. They just keep walking. They just keep walking towards the tomb. They're like, I... We don't know how this is going to end. I don't know where this is going. I'm uncertain, but I'm just going to keep moving this direction. And they don't know that while they were sleeping, while they were frustrated and disappointed, God was on the move, right? Behind the scenes, God's moving boulders. He's rolling things away. They can't even see it. They don't even know it's there. And listen, this is really cool because there's something that we know that Peter didn't know, that those girls didn't know, but we know, and it should give us hope this morning. Jesus' death was not the end. We know it. 
Jesus' death was not the end of the story. It's not the end of your story. And, and maybe this morning, you know, like, this is what you need to understand is the good news of Easter. Do you know what the resurrection really means? The resurrection means that there is nothing too big for God to handle. There's nothing in your life, there's no uncertainty, no doubt, no disappointment, no failure, no frustration, no fear that God cannot handle this morning. God's already working on that stuff that you're worried about. God, God can bring back to life that thing that you think has no chance of coming back. God's already removing barriers that you think you'll never get by. Maybe this morning. Maybe your one takeaway, maybe the one thing you remember from this Easter sermon is this. Follow the example of the Spice Girls, right? Take a step of faith. You just got to take a step of faith. You got to keep moving in God's direction because that's what they did. They said, I don't know in the uncertainty. I don't know what's going on, but I wanna, I'm going to take a step of faith in God's direction this morning. And there's been so many times in my life where I've been like Peter, that something uncertain has come, and I've hidden. And I've said, I, I don't see a way out here. And I've been so fortunate to have some people in my life that have been able to look at me in those moments and say, in the dark, Sean, in the dark, take a step of faith. I'm going to have faith for you, but you come with me. Like they've linked arms with me and said, come on, let's walk towards the tomb. God's at work. You might not see him. You might not know where it is. And I've got to tell you this morning, if you don't take that risk, and you don't take that step, you don't get to see in the long run the things God's done. You don't get to get on the other side of the uncertainty and go, "Woo! look what happened back there. Look what went on there. You don't get to see those miracles unless you take that step of faith. And, and so, so here's, a cool, here's a cool little sidebar for you. The Gospel of Matthew records this moment in Mark of what's happening as those Spice Girls as they're walking towards the tomb and it's dark and they're frustrated and they don't even know how they're going to roll the thing away. Like, like he, Matthew retells the story. Matthew tells us what's happening there. In Matthew 28, verses 2 through 4, how God is moving behind the scenes. Here it is. There is a violent earthquake and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back that stone. And then he sat on it. As if somebody is about to teach a lesson, he sits on it. And his appearance is like lightning, and his clothes are white as snow. And the guards, because the Romans sent guards, and the, the temple sent guards, and they sealed the tomb, and they said, we do not want any rumors about Jesus coming back from the dead to be true. So we're sending guards to seal this tomb. And the guards... As the angel sitting on that thing saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to teach you something this morning. They were like dead men. They were so afraid that they shook. It's like, Mark, you should have said that. Right? Like Matthew, he knows how to tell a story. What are you doing, Mark? Like, what's going on? No, that's the story. That's the end that we're all looking for. And what was true then is still true today. Right where you are, God is at work in your disappointments. So listen, don't you dare hang your head and stay stuck. 
don't you dare turn around and go back home because it's dark or it's hard or it's uncertain or you're disappointed because God is at work in that uncertain moment behind the scenes. You don't see him. God is at work. And while you are worrying, God is working. God is working behind the scenes doing what you can't even see. Do you know what I tell people sometimes? I'm talking to someone, and they're like telling me about this darkness in their life. They're telling me about this brokenness in their life, and I get this silly smile on my face. And they look at me, and they say, why are you smiling? And I say, because I know what God's about to do in your life. Because I know that God does his best work when we're broken. God does his best work when we're uncertain, when we're disappointed, when it's dark. This is where God moves, and we see the miraculous. This is where we understand and, and, and really get it. That disappointment, that frustration, that fear, that brokenness is not the end. And what God says to us all the time is, if you'll just take a step of faith towards me. If you'll just move in my direction, you'll see me move in your life. You'll get to experience it. I'm so glad that God's always at work. When I'm not aware, when I don't have a clue, he's still at work. And sometimes we don't experience that. We're hiding in the dark. We've got our head hung. Instead of looking in his direction saying, I don't know how this is going to end, but I'm going to move in your direction, God. You know, here's what I want you to hear this Easter. This good news of Easter, and that's this. Your disappointments are not the end of the story. They're not the end of the story. Do you know, do you know who thought that was the end of the story for him? Do you know who the most disappointed person in that room was? The most disappointed person in the friends of Jesus? Do you know who that was? It was Peter, right? Like Peter, who denies Jesus in Jesus' greatest time of need. He looks him in the eye, and then he says to the crowd around him, I don't know him. I'm not his friend. In In this huge act of betrayal, Peter is hiding because he's known what he's done. He knows the betrayal he's made. He knows there's no comeback from this. I love this, right? In the story, remember the angel says, you know what Jesus tells the angel to say to Peter? Because I think they had a little sidebar conversation before Jesus left the tomb. He said, listen, here's what you tell the ladies that are coming. Here's what I want you to tell them. He said, you tell them, you tell them, you tell them, go tell my disciples. And I think with a tear in his eye, I said, and you tell him to go tell Peter. Tell Peter. Tell the most disappointed person in the room. Tell the person who doesn't even believe that they belong here. Tell the person who, does, who thinks, my dream has died, and there is no coming back from this. I don't even deserve God's love. Tell the person whose life is a total train wreck. Tell him. I'll see you in Galilee. Meet me in Galilee. I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you yet. I got miracles to do in your life yet. And I think that's what he's saying to some of you this morning too. Meet me in Galilee. I'm not done with you. He's putting your name right in there. He has singled you out for redemption this morning to say, listen, I'm not done with you. I got miracles to do in your life yet. He's saying, Sean, meet me in Galilee. 
He's putting your name right in that moment this morning. You hear it? You hear God saying it to you this morning? I'm not done with you yet. Listen, the very fact that you're here this morning means there's seeds of hope in you. That there's a story yet to be written that God is not done, that he is still here, that he is going to do something. Now, I know this, and some of you know this, because you read Luke's sequel, right, to this whole story of the resurrection, that 50 days from this moment, that ongoing out of this moment, that Peter, right, Peter preaches a message, and thousands of people believe, and give their life to Jesus and begin to follow him. That Peter raises a lame guy who can't walk and says, rise and walk, and he does. That Peter ends up raising someone from the dead. Peter. Maybe. See, maybe this is why Mark ends his gospel in a little bit of uncertainty. Because maybe this is an invitation all of us to believe that the end is yet to be written. That Jesus is saying to you this morning, wherever you're at, whatever has happened in your life, I'm not done. Meet me in Galilee. I'm about to do a new work. Now some of you this morning are like, Pastor, that's great, but I don't, I don't know if I can really believe that for my story. You don't know what I've been through. And so I wanted, I wanted you to hear a story this morning that could give you some hope. Um, story of Melissa Guzik, and we, I, I've walked with Melissa for a long time, and we've had some conversations to see what God's done in her life, and I got warrant. So I sat down and just interviewed her, and this is a pretty raw story. I want you to prepare your hearts for it, that God has done some pretty amazing things. Let's watch. So Melissa, I remember when we first met at a daybreak, fresh start, class where you were, I think, really trying to re-engage with your faith, and uh, that's kind of started your spiritual journey, um, but I think it's really important that people hear the long journey that you've been on. What was that like for you growing up? My mom had gotten married, and this person that came into my life when I was younger then became really abusive, like my hair being pulled and drug across concrete. I graduated high school and had nowhere, had nowhere to go. I made that choice then to walk away from God because, I mean, God was not, to me, like he just wasn't there. He wasn't present. I was still, I was hurting. And those choices left me feeling even more broken mm. and lost. I walked a decade of my life really struggling and wearing this mask that was so hidden because in that in that search of trying to find more I was in a relationship ended up um, pregnant and struggling to figure out, like I can barely take care of these two precious girls that I have. What will I do with a third? And I remember being at a place that just feeling completely lost and with no hope again and no choice. And 
I made a choice to abort. A choice that scarred me in such a way that I just wanted to end everything. And God came in through people, through daybreak and reminded me of a story of the cross that my sin and my brokenness was paid for long ago. That my hurt and my shame and the way that my life has been doesn't have to be what God's writing for me. That there's a new day and there's a new love. But he came in and every ounce of my story, he walked and he showed up and he's given me a new day, a new love for myself. I'm reminded that my name is written on his hands. Melissa is written on his hands, not a person that's condemned or not a person that has to carry shame of a past and of brokenness that, or a mask that I have to put on because I'm not good enough, but a different one that I can show that I am. I'm predestined, I'm adopted, I'm his beloved. Melissa, you had all these moments in your story that felt like endings. What are some of those new beginnings that God began and has showed you over and over? I'm writing a new story. I met Wally. He showed me through his person, Christ. A love that was so unconditional in that relationship blossomed into our marriage. And we became this blended family with three beautiful girls. And since then, we've added three more beautiful children, two boys and a little girl. And from that, I'm learning a new way. I'm learning to be a mom to six and a wife that I don't have it together and never will I, but that God continues to show up in my life and he gives me the new identity in him to say that I, I got so much more for you, Melissa. You're enough. You're loved, and you're beautiful, and I rejoice in you. What was once is no longer now. There's new life. It's not the end. It's not the end. Right? That was powerful. And you hear a story like that, and I don't know what your fear, your frustration, or what it is that you're facing, you're like, 
I don't know if it can get better. And you go, wow, it's not the end. Where I am is not where I need to stay. I don't have to stay in disappointment. I don't have to stay in shame. I don't have to stay in fear. I don't have to stay in frustration because this, this day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, this day could be your resurrection day. It could be the day that you turn towards Jesus and you walk towards him and you say, you know what, I've been worried about my kids, but I'm not going to worry anymore because I know that Jesus is at work. This day, you can say, you know what, I've been thinking about my career. I've been nervous about that, but not any longer. I'm going to walk towards Jesus in this uncertainty that I'm living in right now. This day, you can say, I've been frustrated, and there's been some things in my past, and they keep catching up to me, and I figure, like, can I ever get past them? This day, you say, no, the resurrection of Jesus says it is possible to be forgiven and free and have a new day. That's his promise for you this morning. That's what he wants for you this morning. Mark leaves his gospel where he does with this invitation to say, in your uncertainty, will you just take a step of faith towards me? And so will you, will you stand for a moment? I'm going to ask you to stand, and I just want to give you an opportunity to respond and pray over you this morning. So you stand and just bow your heads in prayer. I just want to stop and I want to pray. I want to give you an opportunity to respond in prayer yourself this morning. With your head bowed, your eyes closed this, this moment. I wonder this morning if some of you might be here and you feel like you'd say to God, I, or say to me, I've wandered off the path with God. Some disappointments have robbed me of my faith. It's been a while. But today I hear the stories and I want a new day. I just offer you this prayer this morning. Just right where you're at, you pray this prayer right in your heart. Jesus, I lost hope, but now by faith I'm turning back to you. Pray that. Jesus, I lost hope, but today by faith I'm turning back to you. And some of you this morning, you might be here and you're deeply moved because in the core of who you are this morning, felt moved. The idea that Jesus could give you a new beginning and you're like, I want that, but I don't even know where to start. I don't even know that I have a relationship with Jesus to start in. And so this morning I offer you a prayer, a place to start, a new beginning. Just to pray a prayer like this this morning. You can pray it right in your heart. You can follow along as I pray it this morning. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God that you died for me on a cross, and that you rose from the dead. And I want to take my first step of faith to begin a relationship with you this morning. Pray that. I just want to begin a relationship with you this morning. And I want to invite some of you who are feeling uncertain today. You've just got an uncertainty in your life. There's an unsure feeling of where things are going. Life isn't going the way you hoped, the way you planned, the way you expected. So I just offer you this prayer this morning, in this moment of uncertainty, just to say, Jesus, I'm uncertain. But I don't want to stay in my disappointment any longer. So will you meet me in my uncertainty? Will you give me new hope? Will you give me a new beginning? 
We just pray that this morning. Jesus, give me a new beginning. Lord Jesus, we confess this morning that there have been disappointments in our lives that have caused us to hide, to stay stuck, to run away instead of running towards you. But Jesus, this morning, we want to make a proclamation together. We want to say we are thankful that your death was not the end of the story, that you defeated death, and that that, that gives us hope that with you, our disappointments don't have to be the end of the story. So today, Lord Jesus, we are choosing to take a step of faith in your direction. We're choosing to trust that you've been at work in our lives, that even in the dark places in our lives, even in the dark moments, you are rolling away stones, you're removing barriers, you're preparing a new day. Today, Jesus, will you do a miracle in our lives? This Easter, will you do a new work of transformation in us as we just take a step of faith towards you? And Lord Jesus, it's in your powerful name that we pray. Lord Jesus, help us to take steps of faith and believe in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.